0: Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us for a special episode of the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. Each year, we look back on our conversations with guests and select the two most engaged interviews of the year. This week, we're featuring our conversation with David Platt. We hope you find it thought-provoking, and we're wishing you a Merry Christmas.
1: Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. Conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland... Here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang.
0: Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and today you're going to really enjoy this conversation we're having with David Platt. David's the pastor of McLean Bible Church in the D.C. area and the founder of Radical Inc., an organization that equips Christians to be on mission from where they live to the ends of the earth. He's the author of three New York Times bestsellers, including Radical, and his latest book is Don't Hold Back, Leaving Behind the American Gospel to Follow Jesus Fully. But before we talk to David, we wanna remind you that if you're enjoying our interviews, it would help us if you left a review. Uh, And now let's go to Dr. Ed Stetzer, editor in chief of Outreach Magazine and the executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center.
1: I just want to express my bitterness that they don't leave reviews. We know that tens of thousands of people download every episode and people come up to me and say, hey, I really enjoyed that episode, but they don't leave a review. So I'm just saying if you left a review, I'd be nicer to you when you met me like somewhere on the road. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Anyway, so David Platt is here. David Platt gave me COVID last year. So we'll talk about that in just a minute as well. Um, And we'll jump into the conversation. Okay, that's not really true. But I did get COVID at a party that David and I were at in New York City and we had dinner beforehand. So just I I may have been blaming David for a long time for this, but it's David gets blamed for a lot of things. We're going to talk about all that today and more in our conversation with uh, David Platt. So, David, um, I want to just jump right in. And, you know, you I mean, gosh. I can't imagine there's anybody in our audience that's listening that hasn't listened to you, hasn't been encouraged by your messages, hasn't uh, read radical. I was watching, matter of fact, last night I was flipping through uh, Netflix and Madam Secretary came on by, not came on, but it it was a bumper for it, a commercial for it. And I happened to watch the show back in the day. I'm just casually watching the show. Uh, it's about this woman who was secretary of state and anyway, becomes president. And she just at one point holds up as an example of bad radicalism, the book Radical by David Platt. This he casually just goes right into the something else she puts it in. But I just I laughed. I remember we texted after that. But but here's but here's the thing. I mean, you're sort of you're, you're kind of doubling down in a lot of ways on the message of. Uh, what it means to live differently to the, and I, and I love the fact that you talk about the the American gospel, leaving behind the American gospel to follow Jesus more fully. Now you describe the book as to the discouraged, disillusioned, damaged, doubting, and divided Christians. And most importantly, um, the next generation who longs to see more Christ. Tell us more about why you wrote the book and how it relates to your personal experience. Again, just we're built, we're building on a theme that you're holding and doubling down on. So tell us more about it.
2: Yeah. Um, and I, I did not give you COVID you're, you're uh, that I know of. So, so sorry. Okay. Let's dive into that, which is more important. I, uh, every book I've written has been the overflow of what God's done in my own heart. Radical was definitely an example of that. Um, as I found myself kind of, yeah, being pretty content with an American church dream, a Christian vi- uh, version of the American dream. Uh, this book, uh, that I've written now. I would say is exactly the same, although on a deeper level, having pastored in Metro Washington, D.C. over the last five years, especially amidst everything going on in our country, I'm convinced that it's not just an American dream that was consuming our lives. It was an American gospel that was hijacking our hearts that has led to all kinds of division and discouragement and disillusionment with the church. And yeah, many in the next generation disengaging from the church altogether. And so I wrote this book because I want to encourage, I want to say to people who are looking around at the church, especially over the last couple of years, thinking, I I thought there was more to the church than this. And I thought there was more to Jesus than this. I want to say there is, there's so much more to Mm -hmm. Jesus and so much more to the church than what we're seeing around us in the world right now and we can experience it or we can experience better put him uh but i believe some things need to be different uh and not in those people out there but in in you and me and each of our lives so so that's why i wrote this book i really want it to be i i i hope a challenge to uh what i believe is a false gospel that's hijacked our hearts but also an encouragement that there is so much more to jesus to experience and so much more to the church to experience, um, but some
0: some things need to we need to talk about some things and address some things if that's going to be the case. Uh, let's do that, uh, David. I mean, you, you said false gospel uh, subtitle uh, refers to the American gospel. What are some of the characteristics that you would use to uh, you know to describe the American gospel? Well, I would say fundamentally, uh,
2: the biblical gospel exalts Jesus above everything in this world. And we've exchanged that biblical gospel for an American gospel that uh, prostitutes Jesus for the sake of comfort and power and politics and prosperity in our country. And I, I think the effects of that are all around us. Instead of an eagerness to unite in the church around Jesus, we are quick to divide over the idolatry of personal political convictions instead of enjoying this multi-ethnic beauty that Jesus has made possible for us in the church. We still in our churches segregate in so many ways by the color of our skin. Um, instead of sharing God's word, like it's the way I put it, it's, just, it's it's water for friends in a spiritual desert in our culture. It feels like we're wielding it, like it's a weapon against enemies in a cultural war we debate justice more than we actually do it we are turning a blind eye and a deaf ear to literally billions of people among the nations who've never heard the gospel so i i, I just think that discouragement and disillusionment is the fruit of a false gospel that if we would get back to the beauty of the biblical gospel and who jesus is it would have
1: major effects on our lives and the church and in the world around us. You know, you know, I, I think um, you know, I wish I resonate with a lot of what you say. Uh, we've been friends for a while. I, I I agree with a lot of what you say. Um, and you mentioned the division. I, I would say there are people who would say of 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 all of us on this uh, interview at some point that, you know, part of the division is is that you know, we, we pushed things that they would rather not be pushed. We 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 pushed into conversations they would rather not have. That it was fine, you know, it's fine seven, eight years ago when, you know, just you were preaching the Bible, but now we're getting into other things where, uh, you know, we're, we're taking, speaking about issues of social justice, uh, you're speaking about other thing, whatever it may be. So, so, I mean, there is a way to have some level of unity and not deal with hard issues. So, um, I mean, how, how would you respond to this? Okay. Agreeing with you, there's some disunity, but the disunity is caused by people who think like you and maybe like Ed, who have, um, who've caused that disunity? Well, I, I would say, I I don't want to,
2: I want to promote unity around God's word. And so, which I think even, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people would say that, but I think that's where I've been challenged in my own life, that there are issues in God's word that I've not faithfully addressed in the past that I found myself addressing with god's word like when when it comes to i mean you mentioned social justice i mean obviously well we need to know a biblical definition of justice i'm looking at the church i'm pastoring and amidst all kinds of uh discussions about justice, like people are being discipled and what justice means i want them to be discipled by god's word not the world around and so what is justice what is oppression what is, uh, and what, how does this play out in our lives? Like we need to be diving into these things and we don't need to be afraid of dividing when we're, when we're opening the Bible and we're diving into it together. And then, yes, there's no question. We're going to find ourselves, uh, coming to some different conclusions where the Bible is less direct or less clear. Um, but that's, that's what I've seen in the church that I pastor with a lot of different people from a lot of different perspectives, even when that happens. And we have biblical precedent for this in places like Romans 14 and 15, where there's different convictions in the church. And Paul's actually encouraging hold fast to those convictions, but unite around Jesus. So where the Bible's less clear or less direct, we're not looking to unite there. Like we're we're united around Jesus and the authority of his word and what the Bible is most clear about. At the core, the gospel. Um, And then there's a freedom in the body of Christ to learn from each other, have different perspectives on different things, to have good, healthy discussions marked by humility and openness around those things. Those things can't divide us if Jesus is what unites us. I think that's what's been exposed over the last few years is we've looked to things to unite us that were never intended to unite us um, when it comes to some different
1: convictions on different things where the Bible is less clear or less direct. Okay. So, uh, we're, I'm hundred percent that the church is divided right now. I think a, a whole generation is being discipled by their cable news choices and spiritually shaped by their social media. And we're reaping some of the consequences of that. Um, part of the challenge of course is, is, is even in your church. I mean, there's a, you're in a, you've been in a divided season. Um, uh, you know, you made the news uh, more times. So you're calling for unity around these uh, gospel essentials, gospel clarity, gospel mission. Uh, is that written kind of through the lens of what you're trying to work through at McLean? Or, or tell me a little bit and to the degree you can share with us about where things are in the life of the church.
2: Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, this is the overflow of what what not just me personally, but we as a church have walked through over the last few years and we have over a hundred different countries represented in our church and so we have all kinds of people from all kinds of different backgrounds perspectives and i i don't have much hope of getting everybody in our church to agree on everything uh but i do have a lot of hope on and this is what uh, well getting them to agree around the gospel at the core of God's word. And even I would say some secondary convictions that unite us together as a local church. Uh, So one of the things I do in uh, Donald back is I try to uh, from the very beginning say, okay, there are things we as believers as followers of Jesus all come together around and we hold tightly to those. Then there are things we hold together around in our local churches and different local churches disagree on some of those things. And that's great. I don't expect every, Christian in Metro Washington, D.C. to have the same exact convictions as I have or the church that uh, I pastor has. And so uh, I praise God for Bible-believing Christians and Bible-believing churches who do things a variety of different ways in Metro Washington, D.C. And then there are things that uh, we agree to disagree on, even in a local church. And so uh, what I'm what I'm trying to call for is, okay, in our local churches, let's let's hold on to those things which unite us in a local church, and then, when even between Christians and different local churches, let's still love one another well in the body of Christ. like we we have so much in common, the most important things in common. but I, I remember it hit uh, yeah, just one example when in our church, I said one Sunday, what I thought I genuinely thought would not be a controversial statement that if you think we should divide as a church over who you vote for in the 2020 election, that uh, this is probably not the best church for you, um, that we're not going to divide over that here. If you think we should, then I would encourage you to be in a church, uh, trust a Bible-believing church, but where that that moves into a level of, okay, we divide over that. But that's not what we're going to do here. And uh, yeah, that caused a lot of a lot of challenges, and that's just one example of a lot of challenges. I don't, I don't, I definitely don't assume that walking through these issues will be easy. The last few years mm-hmm. of my life and the life of our church show it won't be. But that's where I'm writing this book to say it's worth it to mm-hmm. to experience a deeper unity in Jesus and so much that flows from that when it comes to doing justice together in the world and reaching the nations with the gospel that, uh, it's, it's worth it to go through the the hard in order to get there.
0: David, I'm wondering if you're able to provide a little bit of coaching to some of our listeners, uh, on, on the how, and you know, obviously uh, a lot of it is addressed through the Bible. And, um, but from your, maybe from your experiences, like, how do you cultivate genuine unity? Like what are some of the things that you as the lead pastor, what did you intentionally do? What did your elders do? Um, where did you get it right? where did you get it wrong? And then, mm-hmm. and then also speak to like, why is this worth it? Like, what happens if you don't do this? Um, what, what would you risk? So can, can you speak around that? yeah uh, man. So
2: that's so good. I, I so one example that uh, maybe would be instructive or I hope encouraging when it came to racial political tensions uh in 2020, we uh we called our church and hundreds were involved in saying, all right, we're gonna fast, we're gonna pray, we're gonna open our Bibles, we're gonna walk through and and define justice biblically, we're gonna think through how that applies to issues of race and ethnicity. And we're going to do this with the gospel at the core and learn how to be the church to each other. So we walked through this journey. What, what was not helpful about that was that was in the middle of COVID stuff. So we're doing a lot of that distance. We're not we're not sitting around tables together walking through that. It was more through screens, which was uh, that, that definitely was not ideal, but it was so fruitful in so many lives. Um, at the same time, it was it caused a lot of challenges, and not everybody, uh, yeah, appreciated that journey in the same way. So that led to a lot of discussions, and to your point earlier, Ed, uh, some division, so to speak. But it was it was trying to learn how to be the body of Christ and have these conversations with each other. And so for that, which it, for those, it was fruitful for it. And I would just say in my own life, it is so helpful to sit down with the Word of God and to be listening to a brother or sister who has some different perspectives on how uh, to apply that Word and what justice looks like when it comes to this uh, issue of race or ethnicity or this issue of oppression or poverty and to learn from. I am a different person than I was five years ago, and that's because I have— been in the Word alongside brothers and sisters in Christ from very different perspectives than me, other leaders from very different perspectives than me. And they've challenged me. They've stretched me. They've encouraged me. They've helped me. They've humbled me. I mean, all these different things that are worth this is what the body of Christ is about. And so I would say to cultivate those kinds of opportunities, sitting around, sharing life with the word of God at the center of what you're doing, listening to each other, other, learning from each other, uh, being stretched by each other, challenged by each other, holding fast a unity around the gospel in the middle of that, knowing none of that will be easy. There will be challenges every step of the way. And uh, and yeah, people will there will. There'll be all kinds of attacks that come your way in the process.
1: So again, the book for those just joining us is Don't Hold Back. I say just joining us. It's everyone listens to a whole podcast. It's the radio show. Sometimes that leaks over into my conversation. So forgive me. Uh, But the book is Don't Hold Back, Leaving Behind the American Gospel to Follow Jesus Fully. Again, uh, Don't Hold Back. All right. So I'm interested... Two, and I want to get to uh, I kind of have a question about about how you walk through that in relation to our, our nation's purposes and God purposes. But you mentioned the last few years and it's, it's been, you know, it's been a challenging last few years, probably the hardest time to lead in most of our lifetimes. I think that was the depth, the, the, the depth of our conversation in New York um, at dinner when you gave me COVID is um david, david did give me code. i didn't get code. <laughs> but but i did get it at that party i did so we're just saying keith and Kristen getty we can talk about that later um but um but you know you look back last few years there's anything i mean because you've done a lot of the things in the public eye as a pastor you know i've last few years i've been some of the public eye but it's not been as a pastor um, you know, I, I do teaching pastor roles, but it's different. So anything you'd look back and say, you know, uh, I would have done or could have done or should have done differently that maybe would help us to be uh focused, you know, again, back even to don't hold, don't hold back, but in general, anything you would have done differently? Well,
2: the, really the first thing that
1: comes to my mind
2: is I, I wish so much of what we've walked through the last few years, it's most profitable when it's, not through a screen or from a distance, but sitting down together, across from each other at the table, or yeah, a meal or something. So, I, uh, I would say that the the longing I have when I look back is I wish so many more of these conversations could have been had eye to eye, and um, so so that's that's one thing, uh, man. I've learned so much and I have so much to learn. Uh I I and I think of all the words I use in a given year when it comes to collective sermons. And this I I'm confident there are some words along the way that I wish I would have used differently, phrased differently. In fact, some things are coming to my mind right now. But I I I remember the very beginning of a lot of this stuff just getting on my face before the Lord just saying I want to be faithful to your word and I want to faithfully love your people well and and so please help me to do that and despite me and I that that's part of why I've written this book because uh and why I titled it don't hold back because I have been tempted all along the way to in a sense, throw in the towel to coast, to not step into some of these things to it's, it's a lot more comfortable not to, it's a lot more comfortable not to, it's a lot less costly to not step in to some of these things, but I don't want to coast and I don't want to quit. I, I, I don't want to miss out on where this is. What a unique time and place to be in, in history, what unique opportunities and stewardship we have with the gospel in this time and place. So I don't want to hold back. And I, I want to speak to other followers of Jesus and other church leaders. And Pat, I'm so thankful. I think about, uh, yeah, hanging out with you in New York for dinner that night. And it was, it's so encouraging to have other brothers and sisters in Christ who are speaking encouragement into your life in the middle of it. And I know I that's that's why I wrote this book. I want to be that kind of encouragement. I want to say to followers of Jesus, and specifically, even as I think about it, the audience on this podcast, like pastors and church leaders, like don't hold back. Like, don't it'd be a lot easier too, but let's step into this together. We have so much, and let's not even settle for, I mean, we step into a little bit, it'll get costly. The more we step into it, the more costly it gets, but it's worth it. He's worth it and what he's calling us to in this time and place. So let's do it together. Let's, uh, yeah. So that's, and knowing, knowing, we won't get everything right. We won't get everything right. But let's, as best as we can, keep our eyes on, okay, audience of one, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, may it be said that we are are
0: faithful. Hmm. David, do you think the things that you experienced going back to 2020, things you wrote about in this book. I mean, again, I'm I'm probably now challenging to say, you know, are you able to practice what you're writing coming 2024? Because uh, we've got a big test coming up probably in, in about a year. And I know that the issues aren't just around politics. You know, there's, you know, I mean, the complexity of the killing of Tyree Nichols. I mean, there's so many different layers. You know, these issues aren't going away. Do you feel like, one, there are lessons you're carrying with you into the next few years? And then number two, what are you taking away from your own writing that you think is like especially helpful as we think about, you know, something like the next uh election coming up? I, I love that I love the question. What what are you taking away from your own writing?
2: Because I was I was thinking about this the other day, like in a specific example of where I was kind of tempted to hold back. And I was like, well, no, I can't do that. I just wrote a book that says, don't hold back. Like I'm going (laughs) for it. And uh, so it was, it was encouraging in my own, because yes, I I agree. I don't think these issues are going away. I'm not under under any illusion that it's about to get easier. Uh, And we're in a fallen world and, uh, and, and experiencing some uh, unique, Uh, challenges I say unique obviously the fallenness of this world has been around for uh, generations and centuries but uh, but in this time and place where we are but I would say that's where again part of why I wrote this book is because I think we have unique opportunities uh, when it comes to like what a day to show I love showing in a church family of uh, over 100 different countries and people from all kinds of different perspectives and backgrounds that Jesus can unite and Jesus can uh, uh, yeah, bring together very different people. Where in Metro Washington, D.C., there's no other explanation why this group of people is together than uh, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, I love the opportunity to show that. I love the opportunity to turn the tide on centuries of racial division in the church. Like, why would we not be exhilarated about stepping into that in light of the history in our church and not just in mean, history in our country and not just in the country, but in the church? What an opportunity to step into that and don't, let's not hold back from all that God's calling us to in that. And then I think about the opportunity we have to... Make the gospel known among the nations. Like we have more opportunities today to get the gospel to people in the world than ever before in history when it comes to the advancement of technology and travel and uh, just, you have the opportunities. Paul, the apostle would, I mean, he could not have, never have dreamed about the opportunities we have to spread the gospel. So let's not hold back. Let's step into all of that. What a time and place to be alive, knowing it's not going to be easy, but it was never promised to be easy. And, uh, and so we shouldn't, shouldn't think it will be, you know, one other thing I would add that I, I mentioned and talk about more in depth in the book is just in my own personal life. Um, you know, when I wrote radical 10 plus years ago, there were a lot of, I mean, there was criticism, but there were a lot of accolades that came with that and a lot of I mean, the book was doing well and I was getting invited to preach in all these different places and, uh, yeah, it was, there was a lot of, I was in a weird way, like the the whole dream started to go to a whole new level when I wrote a book about taking back your faith in American dream. Uh, the last few years have been pretty different. I mean, there's been a lot more attacks, a lot more slander, a lot more, yeah, questioning of, even personally, my love for God and devotion to his word. And so um, it's been opposite of some of the things uh, 10 plus years ago. Um, but I was on a date night with my wife the other night and, uh, I told her, I said, we were talking about some of the challenges. And I said, I can honestly say that I know God more and I love God more. and I trust him more now than I did two or three years ago. And so if he's, if he's the goal, then these are great days. And, Mm -hmm. and that's the good news of the gospel, right? He is the goal. And he's better. He's better than anything and everything in this world put together. And that's why that's why uh I wanted to write this book, just to say let's keep our eyes fixed on him as the goal and let's go for it.
1: not just it, let's go for him. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And we again we, we talked a little bit about this in New York, and I was struck by the fact that not not your words, but my words. I mean, almost everyone saw David Platt as a as a good guy uh, a decade ago. And it's been interesting for for many people that we would um, you know, be just they're so thankful for their gospel ministry. You know, I I, I I you know think of people like Tim Keller at the time, you know, in, in earlier in February had an article in The Atlantic. And, and and we would say, you know, thank God for Tim Keller's voice in Atlantic. And I'd say thank God for David Platt's voice and, and other places. And, and now there's a whole lot of people who don't thank God for Tim Keller and who are followers of Jesus who don't thank God for Tim Keller or David Platt or Ed Stetzer or Daniel Yang. Um, and, and again, I think that's a uh, that that's okay. You know, that's okay, and that's a call for us to um, to lean more deeply into the beauty of the gospel. And again, the, the book is "Don't Hold Back," leaving behind the American gospel to follow Jesus. So, so, um, so I, I hear the exhortation. I, I'm all in. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold back. But help us to. I mean, maybe sometimes identifying some of the idols. Because I, I, I think this is why. This is one of the reasons why there are people who are just not are not happy with, with David Platt and, 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 and others and, and me and others. Um, what are some ways that uh, maybe are, are inappropriate engage or pride in our own nation? Cause again, this is, I remember I wrote an article about Christian nationalism a couple of years ago and people said oh no that's silly there's nobody who's like that and now like there's a whole line of people so oh, no that's that's us we're, we're we're all in on that like literally, the same people who were yelling at me two years ago for saying they didn't exist or now uh, many of them are like oh no we're that's us um so so talk to us a little bit about how our own nation because here you're in the capital of the, the, the world in some sense you know political capital there and around the dc area um what what is that Look like? And how does that keep us from living God's purpose for the nations? Let's I mean, you're the guy who the president shows up at your church. And that, that went really well, by the way. But uh, you're the guy who the president shows up at your church and asks you to pray. And so you're in the heart of it all. So help us understand this America and this American gospel in your in in, in the book. Oh man. I, uh, well, real, real quick, I would just mention,
2: uh, from the way you were sharing at the beginning about some of the, yeah, using Tim Keller as an example. Like, I, I, I know in my own life, so I, I don't want to make this about me. I know in my own life, I, my constant prayer, John three thirty, may he become greater, may I become less. Like, that's so, um, so in that sense i'm 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 good with and I actually want to become less and less and less um but i i just i just want to mention i don't think it's okay that we're not thanking god for tim keller like i just think it's not okay like even if we disagree Amen. with tim keller on a variety of things uh like i thank god for the gospel in tim like the gospel of jesus christ that's spread through tim keller and through so many other people that have been Uh, yeah, slandered or discounted in different ways. I just, it's not okay. It's not, it's not pleasing to our Father. I don't think. And and I think about brothers and sisters who I have very different views with that I still genuinely thank God for, and uh, and 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 pray for God's blessing on. uh, So um, now to come back to the question, which oh. Man, that's this is where I love I love pastoring in Metro Washington DC because of uh one the good healthy uh I'll even use the word pride and appreciation for this country. Praise God for the freedoms we have. Like this is one of the things I, I try to emphasize over and over in this book that I I think of all the servicemen and women in our church who have made great sacrifices, them and their families to protect, promote these kinds of freedoms for the opportunities we have that are available to us at this moment in history because of the country where we live. Like, There's so much to thank God for. At the same time, to see that all these Evidences of God's grace are for a much greater purpose, and it's not for the preservation of this country. And as much as all those things are good and we should work for the good of our country, yes, I mean, we could talk about that in a variety of different ways, but we're living for another country, we're living for a bigger kingdom, we're living for the spread of the gospel to all the nations. And the global purpose of God, the purpose of God in the world, has always been resisted. Like we could walk through scripture has always faced resistance from the nationalistic people of God, from a people who have gotten so focused on their own nation. I mean, this is, I could show this in Israel and then show this, I mean, even in the New Testament, the disciples frame of mind, like the spread of the gospel to the nations is why we're on the planet for the spread of the gospel. Not, and not, certainly not the preservation of any one nation, but the proclamation of the gospel in all the nations. And I do think I mean, you look at the realities in the world, 3 billion people unreached by the gospel, like haven't even heard the good news of Jesus love and, and, and for their salvation, like they need to hear this, is this should be driving it. We should, if, we should be talking about that all the time in the church today. That should be what is consuming us. How do we get this good news to all the nations and realize the nations are right around us in so many ways, uh, wherever we live, whether it's in Washington, D.C. or so many other places in the United States. And then that, again, gets into, okay, then how do we love each other across ethnicities in the body here? How do we love each other across the nations here in ways that spread the gospel, the nations far from here? There's so much that flows from that. If we will realize as much as we love and appreciate and thank God for our country and things in it, that we're living for another country that's, That's going to last forever. And one day this country is going to be totally gone, like totally gone. So don't put your stock there, put your stock in that, which is going to last forever.
0: You know, I think the tendency when we come into disagreement, especially as church leaders, is we lean away from those we disagree with, and then we double down with those that we already agree with. And I was thinking about this this article that I read from a pastor in Phoenix Caleb Campbell. I don't know if you guys have seen this uh, article about being a missionary to Christian nationalists. And um he, you know he adopted the approach that, you know, instead of repelling them from my church, like how do I draw them in so that they can can hear the the real gospel, not the American gospel. And and David, I wonder like from your own experience like how how number one how can you encourage people to lean into relationships with those that they don't agree with you know um and like real relationships not just twitter interaction but in room you know eating being with people that you literally don't have the same opinion about major issues on and so how do you encourage them to do that uh and then number two how do you help lead your church to embrace people that have tense uh opinions about these major issues because at the end of the day, I think that's really why pastors lean away from those that they disagree with because the tension is just so uncomfortable uh, amongst the congregants. So, can mm. can you talk about that? Yeah, I I think when
2: I hear that question, multiple parts of it, the one at the core, one thing that I think is most needed in in addressing all of that is something that is fallen way out of favor in American society and, and in the church for that matter. And it's humility. Like, and I, I say this as the most prideful person I know, like I, I, I need, I long for more humility. I think we need, we need more humility to to actually listen to each other and learn from each other. And being willing to, I mean, to to go out of yeah, that circle that is most comfortable for us of followers of Jesus. And I would even say, uh, this is gonna be kind of a side note, but I think it's an important one for church leaders, for pastors. I think we need to realize that we're actually uh a part of a culture that has said the best way to grow to church grow a church is to just focus on people who are who are like you, who are uh, I mean, kind of the homogeneous unit principle that the way to grow a church is get people who are like each other together, whether it's skin color or political preference or this or that. And uh, and that's how the church, the gospel spreads fastest and have a different church for people who have different—and I just don't see that in the Bible. I don't see Paul saying— Man, if we could just keep the Gentiles out and have their own churches, then this gospel would spread a lot faster among the Jewish people. Like, it's just not—so we, for church leaders and pastors, that means we have to sacrifice some of our preferences. We have to make sure that we're not just leaning into things that make sense in our backgrounds and our perspectives, but we're actually stepping into the shoes of different people. Uh, who we're trying to reach with the gospel. And yes, I, I appreciate the way you asked that, Daniel, that it's not just stepping into people from this side, but it's that side too, like those who would be prone toward Christian nationalism or those who would be prone toward, well, yeah, just different. side. But that involves, especially in church leaders, a willingness to surround yourself with other influences that, uh, and just relationships. With people who have some of those different perspectives. Uh, and so I, I think about a group in our church sitting around, uh, whether it's just, I mean, there's one church group that's coming to my mind. That's what we call our small groups, but just groups that are being the church to one another. Um, but this, this church group, I mean, I think of a few different individuals in there that they are very different. And if you were to see them sitting next to each other, you'd be like, how is that possible? But they're experiencing like adaptive community as they're learning from each other and listening to each other I think of another group we had recently meeting who uh they were talking through actually some political issues and there were I mean tears when it comes when it came to very passionate perspectives that were very different but they knew they knew that at the core they they both believed the God the the Bible the gospel was bringing them together and they were uh They were learning from each other, and they didn't uh, change their opinions in the end, but they learned to love each other and unite around something deeper than what that was, even as passionate as they were about that conviction. So there's there's so much opportunity to cultivate. The way I put it in the book is cultivate community on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to be in heaven by God's grace with a lot of people who looked a lot different from us and thought a lot different from us. So why not? cultivate that kind of community here in a way that I think is not just good for us in the church, but
1: is also uh, a good for the spread of the gospel in the world. The book title is uh, Don't Hold Back, Leaving Behind the American Gospel to Follow Jesus Fully. Um, so kind of last question is, what are some steps that church, church leaders can take, pastors and church leaders, that's our audience, individually and corporately to pursue the biblical gospel, you know, I, I was, I was literally talking about this on an interview with, uh, I re- it was, it was, I remember it, it was NPR morning edition. And the reason I remember it is I used some words that I had to explain. I said, there are some things that we need to disciple into people and some things we need to disciple out. And needless to say, that was something the, 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 the host was like, we have to explain just what disciple in and disciple out mean. So, I mean, you're, you're wanting to, to disciple in some things to help people pursue the biblical gospel, but also to disciple out some things so they let go of the American gospel so give us some of those practical steps letting go of what do we need to let go of what we need to take hold of uh, and some steps to lead in that direction.
2: yeah well I think fundamentally we've we've got to decide are we gonna are we gonna settle for an easy comfortable. Kind of stay out of some of these challenges, or are we going to step into it? Uh, and that's obviously why I've written the book to say let's let's step into it. And I I remember I mean, part of the reason for the title "Don't Hold Back" is because uh, a, an older brother in Christ spoke those exact words into my heart at a very uh, yeah, tender uh, kind of turning point moment uh, when he said. David, I, I remember a pastor, and he knew we were walking through the fire. He'd seen articles online uh, in Washington Post or wherever else. And he, he said, I remember a pastor friend of mine faced a similar point where he he was getting all this criticism and pushback, and he decided to give in. And uh, he, he said he made people happy, and everything was fine, but he knew in the end. He, he basically lost his ministry. He wasn't willing to pay the price that conviction requires. And he just looked in my eyes and he said, don't hold back. And uh, so so all that to say the practical ways, I think we can do that. I, I spend the very last chapter of this book walking through six practical encouragements, everything from, and and I think that, especially when it comes to pastors and church leaders to lead the way in this cultivating community on earth as it is in heaven, uh, really seeking God as the end in the church. Like what, uh, just walk through um, in my own life journey of realizing so often, I think I seek God as a means to an end instead of him being the end. And I just talk about what's happened in our church as we've gathered all night for prayer, just seeking God as the end or for many, many hours at a time. And so talk about the word, hiding God's word in our hearts. I talk about uh, going out of our way to show countercultural compassion in the world, particularly with people who uh, are prone to disagree with Christians and or think disagree think that Christians would be very, uh, well, groups that we have not honored well as followers of Jesus. And then walking through, okay, how do we, so we do justice? What does this mean to do justice? Let's identify biblically what that is and let's not debate it. Let's go for it. Let's do it. And let's play our part in reaching 3 billion people who've never heard the gospel. So those are some of the practical things I walk through at the end at the core, though. It's, we got to make a decision, which, which gospel we're going to embrace. Hmm.
0: Again, the title of the book is Don't Hold Back, Leaving Behind the American Gospel to Follow Jesus Fully. We were talking to David Platt. David, thanks for being with us. Uh, You can learn more about him at Radical.net. Thanks again for listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. You can find more interviews like this one, as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And if you found our conversation helpful today, I'd love for you to take they're a not few gonna, moments,
1: they're back, not gonna, leave
0: they're us a gonna. review, make it. Ed happy, and that'll that. also help other ministry leaders find and benefit from our content. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.
1: You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening!